We're Missio Phoenix, a community of God's people learning to live in God's ways for the sake of our city. Hey, um, we are going to be in Genesis chapter 12 and then chapter 17. If you want to get your fingers ready to flip through there. Who am I kidding? You're going to swipe there, but whatever you need to do to get there. Uh, we're continuing through a season of Lent, which we said, that just comes from an old ancient Latin word that means 40. And it is a season where we are invited into kind of pausing and slowing down a little bit and entering into this reality of longing, longing for new life to come. And so it leads us up into the celebration of Easter really well. It's a season that historically by the church has been marked by uh, prayer, fasting, and giving. Uh, And so we've just invited everybody, as you feel led by the Spirit, as you pray through what that would look like for you to do that. We didn't give everyone like a, here's a fast we're all doing together, or here's a way uh, we're all giving to a certain fund together necessarily, but just allowing the Spirit to lead us each into that. But as a community, uh, it is a, a good time for us on our Sundays together to really enter into this kind of wandering through the wilderness, so to speak. Um, Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days as he was tempted and he fasted. Uh, and then Satan came and, and tempted him after that fast for 40 days in the wilderness. And he did that as a full representation of what Israel was doing wandering in the wilderness for 40 years because they had actually given in to temptation. They had turned away from God and sought to find their satisfaction in other things. And so Jesus comes and he fully does what the Israelites could not do, what every human before him could not do. And then he does it in the power of the spirit. And then he goes out and he starts performing miracles and bringing good news to people and saving people and having community sitting down, having meals with people who others wouldn't and inviting people in and then going to the cross and ultimately going to the grave and yet coming back to resurrection life. And so that is a season where we were kind of exploring the Old Testament and how God's people were wandering and waiting and longing before we get to the celebration of Easter. Does that make sense? So last week we were in Genesis 3. We saw that uh, the first two humans in the garden where they had everything they could ever desire or want or ask for, and yet they still, they believe this lie that actually, no, you need something more. You need something other than what God has done for you and what he has given to you. And so they started searching outside of that and listening to that lie, and that is what brought this destruction and chaos into the world that we still experience today, right? And so we're going to fast forward in that story a little bit, and even though it's only like nine chapters over to Genesis 12, there's actually hundreds of years that have spanned through this time, hundreds and hundreds of years, uh, where people have just been kind of wandering in the brokenness of this world through the thorns and the thistles of life. And then we get to this man named Abram that God comes to. And so you hear a little bit about his story. He's a a not so far descendant from uh, someone named Noah. You guys remember his story? And he had a couple kids and then they had kids. And you get to uh, this guy named Abram. And his dad was going on a journey with Abram and his, Abram's brother's son, Lot, because his dad had died. Abram's brother had passed away. And they were going on this journey to get to this land called Canaan, which actually comes up a lot more throughout the Old Testament story as we go. 
so, but this is like the first introduction of it. They're heading to Canaan, but they stop short and they settle in this land called Haran. Uh, and then there, Abram's father passes away too at the very young age of 205. And then Abram at 75 years old has this encounter with the God who created all things. So turn with me to Genesis chapter 12. And we're going to read just the first four verses. The Lord said to Abram, go out from your land, your relatives, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. And Lot, that's his nephew, remember, went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. This is God's word. Father, we ask that as we look at your word this morning, that you would open it up to us, that you would not only open up a text to us, that we would understand it and have knowledge and information, but God, instead that you would open up who you are to us, that we would have revelation and wisdom, that we would experience you, that we would have deeper relationship and connection, that we would know you more as you know us. We thank you for your word. We thank you, God, for brothers and sisters in this room. And we ask that your spirit would be present with us in the name of Jesus, amen. So when I was around 18 or so, which was not that long ago, um, I was sitting on a couch in my apartment talking to my girlfriend at the time. And she asked me this question that kind of just broke me a little bit on the inside uh, because I was sitting there and talking through life and things I was kind of frustrated with, things I felt stuck in. And she just asked me this question, like, what do you want to do? What do you want to be? And I was like, I don't have an answer for that. I don't know. And, and I started thinking through it and I started sharing with her, like, I, like, my whole life, I was told you could be whatever you want to be. And you could do whatever you want to do. Now listen, parents, if you've ever said that before, there's grace, but the worst thing to say to your kids, okay? Uh, one, because it's just not always true, right? Like, you can't, I cannot be a better singer than Mariah Carey, no matter how hard I try or believe. Like, those notes she hits, it's crazy, right? I cannot be a player in the NBA. It's not going to happen. No matter, if I had a time machine and went back to when I was three and I started practicing from that age, I still would never be good enough to make it into the NBA. Not going to happen, right? There's, there's just this lie there that you can make for yourself your own way and your own identity. Uh, but also, what was bad about it for me is it was crippling. Because like endless possibilities, and I had no clue where to start. And I was like, I, I've always been told, like, whatever I want to do or be, I could probably do it or become it, and I don't know even what I want. I don't even, I don't even know who I am, really. And I kind of wished that at that time, God would come to me the way he just came to Abram and gave a very clear, specific instruction. 
Well, actually, what we're going to find is it's not so clear and specific. Uh, just leave everything you've ever known for 75 years and go to a place I'll tell you where later, right? It's not very clear. But at first reading, I was like, oh man, like he, he came and he, he told him to do something. Like that's what I needed at 18 years old. I have no direction. And I ended up for like many years after that working 20 different jobs trying to find out like what is my role in this world? And so there's this like longing for what, what am I supposed to do? Who am I supposed to become? And I think that that's actually this kind of wandering that was happening for most of humanity ever since what took place in the garden that we read about last week. Because there was a very clearly defined role and purpose and identity given there. And yet, when they chose to walk away from that, the very fabric of who you are as a human started to unravel. There's actually uh, this woman, Anthony turned me on to this. There's a woman, Kara Powell, is at the Fuller Institute, right? Fuller Institute, Fuller Youth Institute, thank you. She wrote this book uh, that's about like three main questions that young people are asking. And the reality is they're actually questions that all of humanity is asking. It's just they're very much heightened and in the forefront uh, when you're in these young formative years. But the reality is like a lot of people get to the end of their days and they're still trying to answer these three questions. They're questions of really who we are as people. And so these three questions up here of identity, belonging, and purpose. Identity is just this question of who am I? Who, who am I really, right? Like I know my name. I know where I was born. I know all that stuff. I know this family I came from. But like who am I on the inside? And really getting to know yourself. Belonging, where do I fit? Who's my tribe? Who are my people, right? And you start exploring and trying to find like, oh, I fit into this group here because like we all play football together or I, get into, I fit into this group over here because we like the same music or I fit into this group here because, right? And you start kind of basing it on these external factors. But you're searching for a people, for a community really, right? And then purpose. But what will I accomplish? What am I really here for? What am I going to do? These three, three questions of like knowing yourself, finding out who you connect with, and discovering what you will contribute to the world are three questions that I think drive most of humanity. And maybe you ask it internally in different ways than that, right? Uh, but I think these are questions that all of us resonate with, that all of us are longing and seeking for answers to. The funny thing about that story of me sitting there when I was 18 years old on that couch with my girlfriend at the time was I actually already had a direction, but I just walked away from it. Because just a few years before, and I've shared this story before in other sermons, so I'm not going to go into the boring details again. If you're curious, you can come ask me later. But at 16 years old, through a series of things that happened, different events, I was certain that God was calling me to be someone who helps equip the saints for the work of ministry, as Paul writes in Ephesians 4. That he was calling me to be somebody who was helping people know and understand more of who this God is that is inviting you into relationship. Uh, through teaching, but also through example and modeling it through life. The problem is, I did not want to do that. Like, at all. <laughs> 
And so I was trying to run away from that as far as I could and find these other things that I could do with my life. And there was a lot of things I tried, you guys. I was a rapper. I played in a country band. Like, talk about not knowing who you are, right? I worked at a, as a dental technician. I worked as a, a server at tables. I worked as a public speaker. I worked as a customer service person. And all these things, I was trying to, yes, to just pay my bills, but also trying to explore, like, who am I? What do I enjoy doing? How am I going to contribute to this world? Where do I belong? Where do I fit in, right? All these questions. And God had already given it to me, but I didn't like it. I didn't like that answer. And I essentially said, and I, and I covered it with a lot of really good, like, spiritual language, a lot of good language to kind of, like, make myself feel better about it and feel more moral about it. But I basically said, no, thank you. I'm going to go find my own way. I'm going to go make my own identity for myself. And I don't know if any of you in this room can relate to that, but I think at large, our whole culture is doing that on a huge level, Right? Like, no, 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 we will, we will make our own identity to the point where you really start reconstructing the very, like, fabric and DNA of who and what type of being you are. Like, I, I can create for myself who I am and what my identity is. I get to decide that and nobody else gets to tell me differently. Like, that's rampant in our culture today. But I think it always has been. I think... History is full of humans trying to find for themselves, this is who I am, this is where I fit, and this is what I'm here for. And through that process, we've actually done a lot of damage. And not just to the people around us, but even internally. As we're trying to fit square pegs into round holes, right? And we're trying to become something we were never meant to be. Like me trying to sing like Mariah Carey or and just hurting my family's eardrums, right? Or me trying to play in the NBA, and it's just not going to work. Abram actually struggled with this a little bit too. There's like, you read the story in Genesis 12, and you hear, and he went, right? At 75 years old. Now, I've lived in Phoenix for 38 years. That's my entire life so far. I can't imagine moving at this point. And sometimes I want to, like in July, I really want to. But I, can, you, can you imagine just like packing up your entire life and everybody you've ever known, like saying goodbye to that and everything you had ever known? Like I know how to navigate the city really well. It's comfortable. Now, fortunately, like I, I believe God still has me here, at least for now and probably for many years to come. But I can't imagine that idea of like God coming and saying, no, 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 it's time to say goodbye to all of it. Pack up your whole life and go. And Abram does that at 75. And you go, man, that's incredible. That's amazing. But he actually continued to wander for quite a while. He headed toward this land, Canaan. And God told him even, hey, this area, it's gonna be yours one day. It's gonna belong to your descendants one day. Abram, at one point, he actually has to bury his wife and he has no place to do it. He has to borrow land from somebody else for a burial plot for his wife. And all along the way, Abram keeps doubting these things that God had said to him. 
You told me to leave everything I ever knew, my entire community, my family, all my stuff even. Like you told me to leave all this to a place that I didn't even know at the time where I was going. And he continues to question and he makes a lot of mistakes along the way. He wanders too. But let's skip forward in his story really quick to Genesis chapter 17. And we're gonna read just a few verses out of there as well. Remember, he left at 75 years old, okay? So let's see what part of the story we're in now. When Abram was 99 years old, listen, all these things that God had said were coming, he's 99 still, and it still hasn't happened. He left at 75. If you do the math real quick on that, it's 24 years later. I continued for another 10 years after like when I was 18, it was like, I don't know what I'm going to be. And God had already told me two years before that. I continued for another 10 years after that before I actually stepped into the thing that God had called me to. Just continued wandering, right? Now, some of you are sitting here thinking like, you know what, sob story, that's great, Chris, but you heard God tell you what he wanted for you? Like, that's incredible. And you're like, oh, I, I've never gotten that, Right? He doesn't always do that. You may not hear the way God clearly came to Abram and said, this is what I want you to do. This is where I want you to go, right? That may not happen for all of us, but I think what we're gonna find in Abram's story is what God's actually doing. Abram is like this kind of microcosm example of what had been going on with humanity. And God is using Abram to restore the identity, the belonging and the purpose, not just for Abram, not just for people like me who think they hear at 16 years old what they're going to do for their life, but for all of humanity. And so 24 years after he first came to him, he let him wander for a little while still. When Abram was 90 years, 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him saying, I am God Almighty. Live in my presence and be blameless. I will set up my covenant between me and you and I will multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell face down and God spoke with him. That's what you do, by the way, when God Almighty, who created all things in heaven and earth, shows up to you. Like if you just hear his voice, you're gonna fall down because this is the king of the universe, right? And so Abram fell face down. God spoke with him. As for me, here's my covenant with you. You will become the father of many nations. Your name will no longer be Abram, your name will be Abraham. For I will make you the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful and will make nations and kingdoms come from you. I will confirm my covenant that is between me and you and your future offspring throughout their generations. It is a permanent covenant to be your God and the God of your offspring after you. And to you and your future offspring, I will give the land where you are residing, all the land of Canaan, as a permanent possession, and I will be their God. I'm going to skip down real quick to verses 15 and 16 because this promise wasn't just to Abraham. Verse 15, God said to Abraham, as for your wife, Sarai, do not call her Sarai, for Sarah will be her name. I will bless her. Indeed, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her and she will produce nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. 24 years later, God shows up 
And he gives Abram an identity, doesn't he? He gives him a new identity. He changes his name. That name, Abram, uh, meant that the father is exalted. And names were very significant in this culture and in this time. In the ancient world, names had a lot of meaning. It wasn't just like, oh, that sounds really good. Let's go with that name, right? And then you end up with 11 Chris's in your classroom growing up. No, no, it was like very intentional and purposeful. And so that name, Abram, meant the father is exalted. And God comes to him and he says, your name's now going to be Abraham, which means father of many. Now, do you see what God did with that? With the name right there. He takes what starts with the identity of who God is, the father who is exalted, and he gives Abram now an identity himself, that he too will be a father of many. And that's not just reading into names and wordplay. What did we start with? God shows up to him, and the first thing he says, I am God Almighty. He starts off with, if you want to know who you are, Abram, listen to who I am. He starts with, the one who made you, the one who created you, you need to know him. Because your identity is actually going to flow out of the identity of who this God is. He says, I am this God. And he invites them into this relationship. He says, I will be your God. You hear, he, he said, we're going to make a covenant, right? And we don't use that word often now, but a covenant is the deepest form of commitment and promise between two people. And so he comes to him and he says, here's this covenant we're going to have. But he says this, as for my part in it, as for me, here's my covenant with you. And then he gives Abram his new identity. God says, as for my part in this covenant, you are now Abraham. Abraham's identity is not built around what he had accomplished or done for himself at any point in his life before this. And it's not going to hinge upon how he will continue to react and respond to what God's doing right here in the future. Because guess what? Abraham's going to mess up a lot after this. God comes to him and he says, I am God Almighty. We're making a covenant together, the deepest form of commitment and promise. And as for my part in this, here's who you are now. What God is doing is he is restoring what had been undone in the garden. Do you remember we talked about last week? Actually, let's let's draw the picture up here again. That there were a few things that were kind of messed up and destroyed in that garden, right? So we said that this is a person right here. That's a human, in case you weren't sure. I know it's not the best artwork. But God created humans, right? And he created them to have this relationship, right? God actually comes down and he forms a relationship and he he forms the man with his own hands, breathes his own breath into him, gives him life, and then he has a relationship. He comes down and he walks and talks with the man and the woman in the garden regularly. So there's a relating with God. There's also, he says, it's not good for this man to be alone. And he creates a partner, right? There's relating with others now. So relationship, community, right? Right? Talk about those three questions, man, like identity. And now you have like belonging, right? Here's someone to belong to. Uh, Purpose. He gives man a purpose. 
You're actually to care for and tend to the garden, to be fruitful and multiply, to extend this good place I made here to the rest of the world. And then there's this reality too that we were called to know ourselves in that process. And what we said is when humans decided to turn away from God, when they rebelled against him, when they said, no, no, I don't want what God has given to me, they believed this lie from the serpent in the garden that maybe God's holding out and there's something else, something I can go and grab hold of for myself. I can make my own way. I could become my own person. If I eat that, I will become more like God and I won't need him. Once they do that, their relationship with God gets jacked up. That's the theological term. It gets all kinds of twisted, right? They actually are fearful when God shows up and they hide from him. Their relationship with one another, broken. Once they recognize this humility that they have, their nakedness, they get shame. And God's not even there yet. Like it's just between one another. Like she was made from him. Andrew joked earlier about being one flesh with the pregnancy thing, but like, no, they literally were one flesh at one point. And now they're hiding from each other, right? Uh, God says this reality that you will work the ground through thorns and thistles now. Through the sweat of your brow, you will eat from your toiling in the earth. So that relationship's marred. And then even knowing yourself, right? They are filled with shame, fear, and guilt. All that gets messed up. Now, let me just read real quick again what God says to Abram. This is what he says, verse four. As for me, here's my covenant with you. You will become the father of many nations. Your name will no longer be Abram. Your name will be Abraham. For I will make you the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful and will make nations and kings come from you. I will confirm my covenant that is between me and you and your future offspring throughout their generations. It is a permanent covenant to be your God and the God of your offspring after you. And to you and your future offspring, I will give the land where you are residing, all the land of Canaan as a permanent possession, and I will be their God. Do you hear what God's doing here? He's making a promise to reverse the curse that happened in their rebellion. So the reality of working the land now through thorns and thistles, and God's coming here and he's saying, I'm giving you a new land. A land at one point, he says in scripture, is flowing with milk and honey, right? He comes to him and he says, you and Sarah, you're gonna be fruitful and multiply. He literally said that word fruitful, right? This was the call in the garden that the humans would be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And he's saying, you're gonna, a nation's gonna come for you. In fact, Abraham, many nations, and you will be a blessing to all the peoples on the earth. He's restoring this. He says, I am your God. And you, Abraham, have a new identity. You are my people. God is now continuing with his promise of what he set up in the very beginning of all things. And sin could not corrupt it. Now, in the meantime, Abraham has to do some trusting, doesn't he? Because even now, 24 years after he first came to him and he gives him this promise, there's still many years before they actually have a son. And so in that waiting that waiting for God to come through with the thing he said he would do, 
There's a lot of fighting and trying to get control of his own life. There's a lot of, well, if God said this, but he's not doing it, let me figure out how I can do it, which is grabbing hold of something that does not belong to you, just like what happened in the garden with the first humans. God already said you are made in his image. I really want to be like God, though. Let me grab it this way. Let me get it from here. And that's the reality for us today is that we are still trying to grab hold of some kind of identity for ourselves. We're trying to fight so hard to fit in and belong somewhere. And we're trying to make our own way, our own purpose in life so that we can feel like we have value, we have worth. We should be here. And the reality is God has already come into this world and he has already spoken not just over Abraham, but over all of us who are in Jesus. You have an identity now and you have a belonging and you have a purpose. Your identity now is in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You belong with this God because he is your God. For generations to come, Abraham, he will be your God and they will be his people. You belong with him and you belong to one another and you have a purpose. Abraham, you will go and be a blessing to all the other nations. This is what Israel was called to be, a light to the nations, a city on the hill, a royal priesthood who would mediate on behalf of others that they could come in and know God too. And Israel continued to struggle with this identity. Many, many years later, right? They continued to struggle with this identity too. I want to read, we also read last time about Jesus going into the wilderness. Let's just back up real quick to a moment of what happens right before that. And so in Matthew chapter three, in that John is there and he's, he's baptizing people. He's getting people wet in the river Jordan. And what the, this is symbolizing is like a cleaning, a cleansing of like all this filth from the world that is attached to you before, uh, all the wrongs that you have done, a cleaning and a repentance saying, I want to be made new by God. And it's getting yourself ready and prepared for the rescuing God who would come. And while he's out there, he had a bunch of Pharisees. These were Pharisees and Sadducees. These were religious elite people, right? They were the teachers of the law and they were the ones who said, this is how you get your identity, Israel. This is how you belong to God and his people. You must follow and obey all of these rules perfectly. And if we think you're doing it just a little bit off, sorry, we'll send you out from the community. And that happened often. Right? And so they show up and they, they're like, hey, who do you think you are baptizing, right? And this is what he says. Well, first, he has some sharp words for them. Brood of vipers. It's not a nice thing back then, okay? Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Therefore, produce fruit consistent with repentance. And don't presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. You see what they're doing? They're, they're grasping onto that identity that was promised to Abraham long ago. Oh, your, your future generations, your offspring, I will be their God forever. John has something to say about that. He goes, don't presume. Oh, we're Abraham's children. We're part of that covenant. He says, for I tell you that God is able to raise up children for Abraham from these stones sitting here on the ground. Now this is gonna be key and important because what we're actually told later is that the children of Abraham, of this promise God gave, actually now are those who have identified fully, first and foremost, with Jesus. 
Not with how the Pharisees and Sadducees are saying, you do it by performing and doing all these things right, but by saying, Jesus has performed everything Israel was called to do on my behalf. And I identify with Jesus. And because of that now, I get brought into, I get grafted in, I get adopted into this family of Abraham God gave a promise to. And now my identity is in him. And so when Jesus shows up now, right after that scene, and John goes to baptize him, first he's like, ah, I shouldn't baptize you. You should baptize me. And Jesus is like, listen, you got to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And John's like, all right, how do I argue with you, right? That's basically how it goes down. Uh, but he says, to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus was already righteous. He was trying to fulfill something for all. You get that? And so Jesus goes to be baptized, verse 16. When Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water. The heavens suddenly opened for him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming down on him. And a voice from heaven said, listen to this identity. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Do you know that if you are in Jesus, if you have said, I need Jesus and his righteousness because I can't do it on my own. I can't make an identity for myself. I can't make a way for myself on my own. Like that's all it takes right there, right? Not, okay, I'll I'll do the things I need to do to be right with Jesus. No, no. If you have simply said, I am in need, Jesus, would you rescue me? You now get baptized into the identity of Jesus so that when the father looks at you, he says the same words because you are clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. So he says, this is my beloved child who I love and I'm very pleased with. Your identity is that you are a child of God because of what Jesus has accomplished. Your belonging is in the family of God with brothers and sisters and with a father because of what Jesus has accomplished. And you now have a purpose. Jesus came to his disciples at Matthew 28 and he said, I want you to go. And as you go, make disciples of all people. Just like God told Abraham, you would bless all nations, disciple all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So just as you've been baptized, immersed into the identity of Jesus, you now have a purpose to bring others into this family of God. Now listen, that can play itself out a thousand different ways. And not everyone has this moment of like, I think God came to me and told me I'm supposed to be a plumber. I'm supposed to be an engineer. I'm supposed to be a nurse. Like, That doesn't happen for everybody. But your identity is set, okay? We get assignments that are temporary. Those are seasonal. Occupations, roles that we play, those are temporary. Your identity is eternal. You are a child of God because of Jesus. You belong to the family of God because of Jesus. And you now get to, you have a purpose of going and inviting others in also because of Jesus. Amen. We're going to do baptisms, open that up again on Easter. And so if anyone in here has never been baptized and you want to find out more about that, you can talk to Anthony or myself. If you have a child you think might be ready for that, come talk to us as well. If maybe you were baptized as a child and you don't remember it, that's something your parents had you do, that's great. Uh, But if you're saying, I want now do that for myself as well, you can come and talk to us too.
Uh, but the goal of this is in the same way that you get immersed into that water, that's all baptism means is immersion, and you come out, it's a outward sign. And when I say sign, I'm not belittling the act, right? It's something that God has called us into. Uh, a stop, like you don't know to stop somewhere without a stop sign. The sign is important, right? Uh, but there's a law behind it. That means that you didn't stop there, and so now you got to pay a fine. And so in the same way, water baptism is a sign that's not belittling what that act is, but what it's saying is, is it's pointing us to something deeper. There's something behind it that what it's saying is we are being covered in the identity of the Father, Son, and the Spirit, and we now rise to the newness of life as a new created. But something you are interested in or you know someone who might be, we'd love to talk to you about that. But you may have already been baptized before. The reality is we need to daily walk in that new identity, to daily remind ourselves of our baptism, to daily choose to say, I will trust in the promises of God even if they haven't shown up the way I thought they would today. And instead of trying to go out and grasp it for ourselves, that we trust in and we wait on the goodness of our God who has never failed us yet and one day surely will come and set all things right. And we will get to enjoy an eternity with him. Let's pray.